It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films, one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 72 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. I wanted to step back and wrap up a few things from last week as I really did end on a number of questions regarding Barbosa's decisions. Some controversial decisions. Things like, why bring the treasure to the cave when they are just going to have to bring it back on board the Black Pearl when the curse is lifted so they can spend all their loot? I was also questioning the apparent need for Barbosa to carry on with a lengthy speech leading up to returning the last piece of the medallion to the chest. And so I know we were all set with some explanations and... Heather was right and you were wrong? Yeah, essentially. Well, I don't know if it was right or wrong. I mean, I was kind of, you were set with some explanations. I was still kind of sporting a bit of doubt, but it looks like the majority agree with out me. there, yeah, do agree with you. And I'm in the minority on this kind of cursed listeners crew Facebook group. And people agreed with you that he was showcasing his true leadership abilities and that they brought the treasure to the cave because they were still cursed. And it was like something they were compelled to do. We do know the island has taken on some of the properties of the curse, and I know you informed us of that, so I guess I'll give you some credit for that. But Thank you. (laughs) Because it is home to the treasure chest, the Aztec treasure chest, the cursed gold, all that kind of good stuff. We just might be able to interpret Barbosa's line that they were once compelled by greed to now be consumed by greed, and that means they can't help themselves but to actually bring the gold back to the cave or all these spoils back to the cave. So maybe it is part of the curse, and that seemed to be the kind of the general consensus on our Facebook listeners group. Yes. But I can see the latter and you know no. I, and I do understand the long speech. I mean it is great by the way, so I have no complaints on it. I'm just saying that with my luck, speed is really of the essence and I definitely need to be well, I need to be Johnny on the spot and not lollygagging when I'm returning the medallion to the chest cuz I would end up cursed still. Medallion would be lost. I'd be wondering why the hell did I just sit there like that? And then I'd be regretting it for the rest of my days as a skeleton man. (laughs) So that's why. But you can't die. You can't die, but you can't taste food and all that kind of stuff. It's true. You'd be like Barbosa drooling over an apple. I mean, an (laughs) apple, for God's sakes. An apple. That's what he's drooling over. That'd be me. Like, oh, I wish I could taste that apple. Pickle. (laughs) Pickles. (laughs) Getting on with this show... What is the pirate word of the week? Crazy Jolly Roger. It's more of a phrase than a word this week. I just, you know, to be honest, when I was thinking about saying that, I got tired of saying pirate word or phrase of the week. And I thought, why don't we just (laughs) brand it to pirate word of the week? Because it just sounds so much better than me having to have like, well, it's pirate word or phrase or sentence or paragraph. I thought I'd just shorten it up and then you can do whatever you wanted. But you just had to go and bring it up. And I thought this is, and actually this is going to play into something I'm talking about later on in this episode. So it's pretty good that you actually did that. But now, I had, see, I had to get into this explanation. I didn't explain it. 
I just rolled with what I thought. I'm just going to shorten it up and call it good from now on. But I still had to get into the explanation of things. And that is exactly what we're going to be talking about this minute. So I'm glad you provided this great introduction to something that we can talk about later. Because now I have a perfect example that everybody can see right here. Really? Yeah, right here. So just I have a feeling this has to do with me. Hey, if the R wears it, <laughs> then it's true. Cough up your tail, mate. Cough up your tail, mate. Oh, I like that one. What is it? Speak up. Start talking. Cough up your tail, mate. Okay, I got it. Out with it. Spit it out. So it's not his tail. I, immediately, the first thing I thought was like a tail. <laughs> say what you have to say. Yeah, your tail. Your story. Your T-A-L-E, not your T-A-I-L. Not many humans have tails. Hey, but I thought it was some kind of crazy pirate lingo that you're, I don't know. And plus, you're an animal person, so I just figured it had something to do with animals, to be honest with you, like claw cat and all that kind of stuff. But no, now I'm wrong again. Yeah. I don't like this. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to being me the one. Me the one. Ah! I'm looking forward to me being the one who's always right. Now I'm speaking like a pirate. <laughs> well, I think that's a good one, actually. Yeah. I could like see it. Barbosa, or actually, I could really see Jack Sparrow saying that. Yeah. Cough up your tail, mate. I like it. So I think we should just get started and we can cough up our own tail here, not our tail. I don't know. You got a tail you want to tell me about here. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should just cough up our own tail and get started with the minute because I needed to start that over. Yes. So most of you will never hear what actually just happened. (laughs) It says seamless thing, but now I've told you that I cut something out because I didn't like what it was. Then why would you cut it out? I don't know. That's just the way it goes. In the previous minute, Barbosa gives us a cryptic, hard-to-interpret sign that the time has come for the curse to finally be lifted by saying, time has come. <laughs> Something I was able to deduce with my thinking machine supercomputers. Anyways, with the crew all gathered round Barbosa in the Aztec chest and the currently bedazzled Miss Swan, he continues to rally and rally and rally the troops. Even Will Turner got the gist as he was prepared to bum-rush the cursed crew to save his treasure Elizabeth, only to be stopped by the Black Pearls a treasure-seeking sparrow, and spotted by a greedy, treasure-hoarding monkey whose ears are so tuned to the sound of gold is unable to ignore the sound of falling coins. Minute 72 begins with Will Turner stopping a now wide-eyed Captain Jack Sparrow dead in his tracks by asking him, When it's of the greatest profits to you? Sparrow responds, May I ask you something? Have I ever given you a reason not to trust me? The minute ends with Captain Barbosa forcing Elizabeth to bend over so her head and neck are hanging over the Aztec chest while he draws his knife. Begun by blood, by blood undone. We cut to Will knocking Jack unconscious with an oar and a mirror. Sorry, dot dot dot. I thought we'd just start off talking about Will and Jack. Unless you had somewhere you really wanted to go. No, go ahead. Will and Jack sounds good. It's the beginning of the minute. There we go. See, on track. Just That's, as um, where we that is be. amazing. That for is amazing. Us. <laughs> that is amazing. We're not sidetracked or anything like that. I think it's safe to say that Will has actually caught on to Jack, and he might not know the specifics of what's actually going on here, but he knows something is up. Yeah, I agree. Because Will even says to Jack in the beginning of the minute, "When it's of the greatest profit to you," and then Jack gets this wide-eyed look, like he's been caught red-handed. Yeah. And it's almost like the classic comeback to when someone calls you a liar. It's like, I'm not a liar. And then that's kind of his response. Is like, when have I ever given you doubt about my intentions? What? Nothing. You don't like that? Yes, I do. 
Then why are you giving me the look, the in-studio look? I don't like that. I wasn't giving you a look. I, I don't like giving it. the look to my notes. Cough here. up your tail, woman. <laughs> Walk the plank. I mean, there's definitely mistrust between the two, so I don't know what your deal is over there. I don't have a deal. Oh, looking, you have a deal. I was giving the look to my notes, not you. Then as I try to rein this back in from your craziness, I mean, should Jack have just admitted to being the captain of the Black Pearl in the beginning to Will? What do you think? Good question. I mean, he could have told Will. Would it make a difference? Well, that's what I'm I'm not sure it would even make a difference. Difference to who? To anything right now? To Will and how he trusts Jack. I don't think it would make a difference. Because Will's still in the mindset of not trusting pirates. Even though he's becoming his own pirate, he's still in that mindset of not trusting them. And they're not trustworthy. And they're not good people. And no matter how much time him and Jack have spent together... He still is not, Jack's not forthcoming with everything, and Will feels that there's something there that he's not telling Jack, that Jack's not telling him, excuse me. Let me lay out, yeah, so let me lay out this scenario for you. He could have told Will, if you get me out of this jail, I will take you to Elizabeth, and then I can get the Black Pearl back, and you and Elizabeth can go your separate ways on another ship that we used to get out there, back to Port Royal and live happily ever after. Okay. Wait, and if he could have said something like that, would Will be so suspicious of him at this particular juncture? Maybe not. Not as suspicious. Right. Possibly. Because he would have... that's more forthcoming than he's been. That's right. Because he's learned a lot about Jack from Gibbs now. That's right. That Jack did not tell him. That kind of kept... I mean, it might, it might have been more beneficial to Jack in the long run had he just explained a little bit more that he was once the captain of the Pearl... We're both going to benefit from this. You'll get Elizabeth back. I'm going to get my ship back. And then we both have a ship. You don't ever have to see me again after we get her back. Yeah. I go my way. You go your way with Elizabeth. And you're all good. But then again, I mean, usually providing more details often leads to more trouble and questions. So I understand where he's coming from, kind of from this whole idea. Yeah. You know, if you start providing more information than is really necessary, then often that gets you in trouble. And that's just how things usually go. Because I actually know how this works from Heather. What? For example, which I don't know if we need another example after the one from the introduction here. But if I say to stay and stay here so I can check something out. It's like all of a sudden we're entering this freaking horror movie and no one can ever stay there. It's always a bad sign when that happens in horror movies or you at least have to explain all the details and waste your time. So there's always two options in horror movies. You can sit there and you can tell, for instance, Heather... To stay there, I'm going to go check this out. The first thing that pops out of her mind is why. And then you'd either have to go into this whole explanation and waste time when the monster's coming or the killer's coming to explain why she should stay here. Or you can just tell her to stay here, trust me, and then go, she ain't going to trust you. She doesn't like that. She needs the full explanation. Yeah. And this is just and? what we were talking about in the beginning of things here. <laughs> Was it not? I just shortened it up. She comes in the first thing, the first immediate response is, no, it's actually a why, because she's forcing me to explain why I left it out, because she's really curious about it now. (laughs) That was the only reason. She could have let it go. She was so curious about it. Like, why didn't he say phrase this time? He always (laughs) says that. She needed to know. She couldn't just stay there. She needed to know. The killer was almost about to kill me. And she's asking why. Why did you not say phrase? That was the big question on her mind. (laughs) That's it. Jim never wants a second cup of coffee at home. (laughs) 
Why is that? <laughs> then you end up wasting more time. So like Jack, he's going to end up wasting more time looking around for the missing person or for any horror movie thing. You know, you end up wasting more time looking for the person who's now missing. So if you just explained it all from the beginning, I think it would have worked out well. I'm starting to rethink my whole strategy dealing, say, with Heather and how I come to these situations. So my strategy now should be I can spend a little extra time just explaining what's going on than actually having to the whole headache and the time expansion in the long run that would come by not divulging any information. So I think there's got to be a happy medium there, like a short answer that provides enough details for her to get the gist. But if there's too little details, it's going to result in a problem for me. About time you come around to my way of thinking. (laughs) Is everybody out there going, hallelujah, he's seen the light. (laughs) Well, I like it in the dark. I'll tell you right now. Well, you can keep doing that and keep getting questioned. Oh, man, I am in so much trouble. And I don't want to say this is a man or woman thing here, but is this a man and woman thing here? Do men just provide the short answers and then the women got to know because they're like, why is he just not telling me everything? No. Okay, so it's just an any person can do yeah. this. Okay. I just wanted to know. I wanted to make sure obviously. where I was treading on this. Oh, obviously, because Jack and Will are doing yeah. it. Yeah. So it is an any person thing. So... It's the person who's on the other shoe of this is always the one who's got to know more, basically. Of course. Except for me, I never fall into that trap, of course. But again, this is me we're talking about. I'm usually operating at a higher level of existence than most people. No? Heather's giving me the look like, no, you are so mistaken. Your head is so full of yourself (laughs) that you have no clue what's going on. Ah! That's rude. There goes my whole world bubble. My whole worldview has been popped in the blink of an eye. Hmm. I always thought of myself as that super genius, but I guess not. (laughs) When Jack is asking Will, or when he responds back to Will, have I ever given you a reason not to trust me? Is that a rhetorical question to Will? Yeah. Is he looking for a response? No. Because he continued on with his little talk here. That's true. He does. Yeah. So he didn't He didn't even give Will a chance to respond. And Will so doesn't no. even try to respond. No. But Will should have. I mean, he should have chimed in and said, well, you know, yeah, you did. You held Elizabeth at gunpoint. You threatened to kill me in the blacksmith shop. You didn't fight honorably. You didn't tell me you were once captain of the Black Pearl. You told me a crazy story about escaping from an island prison with sea turtles and hair from your back. <laughs> I mean, the granddaddy of all reasons not to trust somebody. <laughs> You got slapped by one, oh wait, maybe two, oh wait, no, that was three women, including one whom you stole her boat? Shall I go on, Jack? (laughs) So yeah, maybe the evidence is piling up that I don't have to trust you, or I shouldn't. And the big daddy of them all, if I can go back to big daddiness, that's even a word. It's our new pirate word. Pirates of the Caribbean minute word. Is that he's a pirate. That word right there, Pirate. pirate, just means you can't trust somebody. Exactly. So that's all I have on Jack and Will. I'm just exhausted. I tired myself out. <laughs> when Jack's asking Will to stay there and he's t- asking him if he's got a reason to not trust him, you notice he got into the close talking thing again? I was going to say something about that. And then I was like, well, they're probably trying to frame the shot. But there's a lot of close no, talking. He's close on. talking and he's got his hands going between the two, which there's not much room between the two. But he's close talking in there. And he's almost touching Will. Almost. Having to use a Tyrannosaurus Rex hands to make sure he doesn't yeah. hit him. Yeah. Because he's like talking with his hands and this and that because you know how Jack is. Almost touching Will. And Will's kind of at one point in time looks down at his hands and yeah. 
Maybe he accidentally got grabbed at one point. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, where's this going? <laughs> yeah, the close talking. And sometimes they do, it seems like they do that in movies. Sometimes I think just to frame the shot. But I don't know if I could do that. Always being so close to yeah. somebody. Well, I guess if I'm getting a fat paycheck like that, okay. Like, you want me to be a close talker? Okay, I'm a close talker. Yeah. But in general, it's like, hey, give me my space, man. I need my pirate space uh, here. Ja- Jack's pretty much a close talker. I think maybe he's trying to get Will drunk from the rum on his breath. Maybe. Although I haven't really seen him drink, so no. maybe only that's at the, not... Only at the tavern. Maybe it's just lingering there. Maybe. We also get to Barbosa in this particular minute. But I think the one thing that really caught my attention when Is it comes to Barbosa... Is his continuing on? Well, not his speech continuing on. Well, maybe it did. But anyways, it wasn't a speech, actually. It's that napped fire opal knife he holds up that really gives some flair to the scene. Well, at least I'm guessing it's fire opal, but it could be more of an agate than, you know, kind of an obsidian flint kind of deal. But it really is this napped-like knife or this stone or gem that's been something that you would do to, say, make a flint blade Uh or an obsidian blade, say, a blade point or an arrowhead. Yeah. That's what it's done. It reminds me of the amber in Jurassic Park. Yeah, I was wondering if it was amber, too. Because of the way it kind of glows in the light and the color of it, it reminds me of amber. Yeah, because it really does shine and the light appears to glow. So it's a nice like comparison to the darker background in the cave Yeah, that I thought just really stood out. Because we have these blue tones that are in the cave. And in general, there's some blue tones in this movie, especially during the moonlight scenes. Yes. When he's holding up this knife, it really just catches your attention because it glows. Right. So I'm wondering if this is a knife that he originally recovered from the Aztec treasure. Like a ceremonial knife. Oh, maybe. So I didn't really find much on that when I was trying to do, say, a Pirates of the Caribbean wikia search or something to that effect. But mind you, I didn't spend a lot of time doing that research. But I did look into, say, these napped stone or gem knife blades. And there are some really cool ones out there. I'm thinking, I really need one of these. (laughs) I need to really get one of these somehow. Okay. So I know all of you are thinking, God, it's all it's going to be Christmas before we know it. And I really got to get Scott something. Yeah. Now you can send me a knife. Walk the plank. When I was doing the research, and well, when I call it research, really, I was shopping for knives at this point. That I did find one that really looked like a fire opal, which is a gemstone that glows with the fire of the volcanoes that spewed lava where they are produced so long ago. Yellows, oranges, and reds that are so bright you think they would actually glow in the dark. And the most valuable fire opals are actually transparent and red, often called cherry opal because of their bright, bold colors. And it also forms in Mexico and is created when water seeps into silica-rich lava, filling seams and hollows. So this actually may be fire opal just from some of the pictures I saw and the way it looked. It's possible that it's like this fire opal knife that they Uh created, this knife blade, which also matches up with the history of... The movie, and if it's Aztec or if it was part of this chest, and the Aztec kind of symbolism or callback or not even callback, but just the whole Aztec theme that's going on here, is that maybe this is an Aztec knife that he's using. Oh, maybe. Or that he recovered, especially since it was it is found in Mexico, so it has those ties to Aztecs necessarily. There are examples of Aztecs using napped agate or obsidian knives, too. And I found an article from 2014 that was talking about a knife that was on display at the British Museum in London. And they said this particular one they have on display is called the Aztec Mosaic Handled Knife and dates between 1400 and 1521, which matches kind of the Cortez era. Right. 
and it is thought to have been used in religious ceremonies made from wood and flint. The knife handle represented an Aztec warrior, but the blade revealed no traces of blood under testing, and so it was probably not used in sacrifices, which was actually a common Aztec religious practice. Thus, maybe this tool is an Aztec nap knife, and the reason he is using it is for the whole blood repaid thing. Even though the British one didn't have blood on it, they are known to do that. Maybe this is all part of the curse, and it's a kind of a cool tie-in to kind of ancient Aztec culture and just people of the day who were using uh, napped knives and stuff. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. It is a very striking knife, but it doesn't look like it cut anything. Oh, they're very sharp, though. It, you got to imagine that, though. Like yeah. with the arrowheads and things, like Native American arrowheads, spear tips and stuff, they're, they're really sharp. They are sharp as knives. And you can even go back in long history, Neanderthals and all these other things that actually, things, all these other kind of pre-humans or... Not modern humans, I should say, actually used a lot of these napped things and flint, and they were doing that, and they were skinning oh, animals yeah. with that, yeah. and they, these things were pretty sharp. So, huh. so yeah, definitely, I wouldn't want to try it. And there are a lot of people that actually do these as kind of internet sales or just selling them online from their, say, stores, where they're actually making these by hand themselves. They get the stuff, and they do the napping and the oh, flint, that's cool, actually. and then they mount them and all, on all kinds of different handles from bone to wood to other gems and it's really just a spectacular like art form to see these knives these gemstone knives or these agate knives that are held up to the light and they glow just like that it's really cool that's pretty neat we also get another reference to apples he's set uh, barbosa says he's gonna eat a bushel of apples but he says it all creepy like in looking at elizabeth yeah i completely agree and i wasn't really gonna go into apple symbolism here again because yes We've talked about the whole rebirth idea and Barbosa wanting an apple, you know, as he's going to become an uncursed man again and kind of normal, if you will. But he gives Elizabeth his weirdo eye when he's saying that, like, this is the first thing he's going to do when the curse is lifted. Well, he's got some acting eyeballs here. Yeah, he does have that. His <laughs> eyeballs are just spectacular the way he uses <laughs> yeah. those. It's like his eyebrows, his eyes. Yeah. You could just, if you were to put like a black mask or... Black everywhere else, just but just see the eyes, you'd still be impressed with Barbosa. Right. So the way he looks at Elizabeth, like I said, I wasn't going to really talk about symbolism. Because I was like, oh man, we've covered it so much. But with the eyes, and I saw that, and that look, I thought, do you think that by eating a bushel of apples that this means he is really going to be partaking in all pleasurable things? Oh. I mean, it just struck me that with the way that he does say it to Elizabeth, that it's Maybe something more than just apples. Maybe, he's yeah. Always, he's been talking about apples and he really does say, want to eat an apple. But is it also all those other things that the apple represents? I mean, we know that the apple is also linked to the forbidden fruit and all the temptations it represents. So is he really going to, is he using like a bushel of apples as everything he's not been able to enjoy while being cursed? Maybe. Right? Yeah. Just the way that he yeah. kind of leers at her. Not that he is leering at her in that right. particular yeah, way, but it. just in general when saying a bushel of apples, does that mean he's going to drink? He's going to eat the good food. He's going to also, by the way, have some apples. He's going to visit Tortuga and the houses of ill repute and all that kind of stuff. Is that what that's going on there? Or am I reading too much into this just that he wants apples? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when he offered Elizabeth an apple... Get this guy some goddamn apple pie! <laughs> when he offered Elizabeth the apple, she pushed it away. When she, it, when he she offered that, though, away. we talked about a lot about how that was also the symbolism of Snow White being offered the apple. It could also yeah. be the symbolism of Eve offering the apple to Adam. You know, there's a lot of that. Here you go. So 
Is that what's going on here? I, I don't know. Yeah. It's possible. I mean, Maybe. we could read that Just into kind of it, the, Yeah, because of the way he looks at her and the way he's talking. Then that means, did, did he not apples. learn his lesson about greed? If this is really what he's thinking, like apples are, are all of these things. Well, he's still got that greed curse. Oh, that's true. You're right. He's still under he's still this curse. Cursed. You're right, actually. That is an interesting point. And this gets me where I got in trouble with the last time is not thinking about the curse and the greed part of why they had to bring all the, yeah. the loot back. And I just freaking talked about it. And so yeah. quickly, I forgot about it already. But yeah, the curse is still on him. Yeah. So he's still obsessed and not, he is consumed by it. First thing that I'm going to do when the curse is lifted is I'm going to do all these things. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because the curse is still active with him. It's not like the curse was alleviated and now he's saying, well, the first no. thing I'm going to do now is do whatever. Yeah. Or X, insert whatever here. But he's still, the curse is still held onto him and he's still consumed by it. First thing I'm going to do when this curse is lifted is eat a bushel of apples. All the things that he, maybe he's meaning all the things, the pleasurable things he hasn't felt in 10 years. Yeah, that's what I'm kind you of You know, thinking. all the things he li he listed, the wind in his hair, the taste of the apple, the company of a woman, you know, all this stuff. The apples represent all of that. Yeah, that's what I think is actually going on here. Yeah. But I completely forgot. So when I asked the question, like, did he learn anything? Well, obviously he hasn't because he's still under the curse. Yeah, he can't no. not... Help but be compelled by yes. that or consumed by that. Right. So it's still there. Yeah. We need him to revisit that. Elizabeth should have said, let me ask you that right after this. Yeah. <laughs> and then see what you say. <laughs> when Barbosa saying, begun by blood, by blood undone. I kind of thought of this as like an incantation. You know, I mean, it sounds it like sound something like, a, like that. Yeah, the the witches. Like out he's got to say this before he. Yeah, like he's got to say it before he spills the blood. Oh, that's interesting. For the curse to end, otherwise it's not going to work. There's so much fan fiction that are people are doing artwork or kind of these pirate related things that are popping up, or I should say, Pirates of the Caribbean related stuff. And a lot of people have grabbed onto that phrase and have used it. Oh, really? Stuff. Yeah. So it's something that's definitely rung. Well, it's rung true to people or it's just been one of those phrases that have really caught people's attention. And it's almost like a catchphrase, but it's not one of the main ones. It's almost like a an underground catchphrase from Pirates of the Caribbean. For those that are really interested in the lore of it or the fan fiction that they actually use this phrase. So I think it treads under pop culture catchphrase, but Pirates of the Caribbean people... Or fans that are, you know, say hardcore or that are really doing some of that work. This is something that rides that wave. And I think it's even popped up in the video games and the online games as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. That's interesting, actually. Maybe he feels like he should say something because this is a curse. So he's kind of getting back to the whole curse tradition. It'd be something that if somebody were to actually cast a curse on you that they would say. Right. Yeah. But it's almost it's like he's doing it to undo the curse, and then along with that, to make you even feel like you know more like that's an incantation, is all the other pirates are sitting there chanting like we're actually witnessing an Aztec sacrificial ceremony yeah. thing going on. Yeah, yeah, which kind of makes sense. There, yeah. they all took that whole thing, and then we have the knife play into it. This kind of agate, flint, fire opal knife. It was maybe ceremony, and then we've seen some actual real ceremonial ones that are like that. So, yeah, it could really be an interesting take that the writers took to display this is what a Aztec ceremony, if there was a curse, would look like. Right. We also have a cliche alert here, too. 
We do leave things on a rather cliffhanger note, and we have been forewarned that something like this may be coming because Jack tells Will not to do anything stupid. Yes, a movie cliche in that inevitably we know whoever receives this advice will be compelled to do, can you guess? Something stupid. Something stupid. It's like what we were just talking about with the theme. You tell Heather to stay, not like a dog, everybody. What the heck? But, you know, there was a whole conversation we just had. You tell her to do something, she's not going to do it unless she gets an explanation. Here, don't do anything stupid. That is the bell. It's the power of the cliche compels me. Or telling well, someone not to look now, yeah. Heather, and she'll automatically look. If you tell wait, wait, some, actually, wait, is this, this a conversation? conversation? Yes. <laughs> deja vu. I mean, we, we're in the midst of a deja vu moment. Yes. So this has come up again. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you tell somebody not to look, they're going to look. That's right. Yes. So this is what happens here. Don't do anything stupid. That automatically means you, you are going to do something. I think it's a scientifically proven fact that you must do something stupid if you're told <laughs> that. Someone ever tells you to don't do something stupid, you go, oh, my God, I'm going to do something stupid here. <laughs> it's like being compelled and consumed by the curse. You have no choice. No. You have to do something stupid. You're just hoping that there's no hot oven on or stove. Don't do anything stupid. Oh, my God, I got to touch that burner now <laughs> because that's what's there for. You're compelled to do it. We're all cursed as humans by the same thing. This phrase, this magical phrase, it is itself an incantation. Yes. Don't do anything stupid. Oh, Jesus, I got to do something stupid here. <laughs> don't look that way. Yeah, well, some of us cannot do that. Don't look right now. We've talked about this. No. Heather still will have to do that. She's compelled by it. Don't do anything stupid. All humans have to do something stupid. It kind of is the opposite with you. Scott, look, look, quick. Five minutes later, you come and look. Yeah, that's because I know <laughs> that I'm not supposed to look right away. No, if I'm telling you to look. Well, usually it's because I'm in the danger zone and I'm scoping things out to make sure there's no killer or monster there. And I've told you to stay. And I go, she hadn't stayed there. Yeah. God dang it. Now I got to go hunting down this cave to find her when she could have just stayed put. Yeah. So obviously I think we've just proved that when movies do this kind of thing, it's just an instance of them imitating or, real or life. reflecting real life. Yeah. So there's no problem here, I see, actually. <laughs> and the cliches are fun. It's always fun to put those in. Yeah. So I'm not really complaining about it. But now that I have talked about it with Heather and seen how it really happens in real life, I go, this is real life happening. These guys... Well, when I say guys by Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott, they know what they're talking about. They know real people. They know they're <laughs> going to do it. So everybody out there, don't do anything stupid and like change the channel. Wait, that would mean that they are going to change the channel and not come back. So yeah. how does that work then? How do we get them? How does the reverse psychology work? <laughs> Look wait, now. wait, don't, don't subscribe. Don't subscribe. <laughs> don't join the Cursed Listeners crew. Will that work or is that opposite something i don't know that's I, don't know. I don't know how that works we'll see that's all i got then <laughs> <laughs> that's it okay yeah i'm mentally exhausted now you wore yourself out i did i got all worked up for all this stuff now look at did you have anything else? i don't have anything else for today so i guess on that note we won't do something stupid and just sit here and ramble on forever yeah when we have nothing left to say Unless you guys really want that, but I think we'll just call it a day and say we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 73 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Aye! What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? 
Take me to her, buddy! Blimey! Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up! The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket. Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best-of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.